Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. Uh, going to start our chat today about what's going on in real estate, uh, like we do every Sunday at 10. But this week, we're going to start off talking about the the mathematical or financial differences between renting and buying a home in Tampa. And some stats came out this week that indicated that it's 20.6% more expensive to rent than it is to buy in Tampa. Yet, lots of people still continuing to make their landlords rich and continuing to rent instead of buying. And, and Mike, obviously low interest rates, a lot of other factors that come into play. But um, what do you have to say to the people out there that are opting for the 20.6% higher monthly payment to rent uh, versus buying. Yeah, it just, I mean, now the numbers have flip-flopped. It just doesn't make any sense out there to be a renter. I know it has been challenging to be a home buyer. And for all those people out there that have said, oh, well, I'm just going to wait. Um, and you said that six months ago or eight months ago. Now you're seeing, you know, your rents increase, everything go up and, and prices continue to increase. It, it still now is a great time to buy. Because frankly, now it's just easy math. You're you're going to pay less to own a home than you are to rent. And with the demand, you know, is as high for for rentals as it is for new homes. Um, so it makes sense to to keep at it and go out and and look for the home to buy. Yeah. And so if you think about it, when you're talking about the difference between renting and buying, here's uh, you know there there are a lot of factors that come into play. And I think I've had renters say this to me that, well, I ran a payment on buying and I ran a payment on renting and it was cheaper for me to rent. A lot of times they're not comparing apples to apples. They're comparing apples right. to oranges. They're comparing some small apartment to a house with a yard and a garage and a you know community pool. You know, so, so you really do have to compare property to property for that to be a relevant comparison. A lot of people make the mistake of not doing that. They compare an inferior property uh, to purchase to, to the one that they're renting. And so you have to compare, you know, the same. Another important part of the comparison between renting versus buying is the tax benefits that you get from buying a home. Um, right. You know, so, so you get to write off certain things that as a renter, you don't get to write off. And then the last piece of it is when you're comparing simply monthly payments, you're also not factoring in the equity gain and the potential profits when you go to sell the home later on and most likely make a profit. So when you see the 20.6% difference, there's still some stuff in there that's not completely factored in as to how much more advantageous it is financially to buy than it is to rent. Yeah, and you gotta remember when you buy a house and you're making your, your monthly payment um, on a mortgage each month, you know, part of that payment is going towards interest, yes, but also part of that payment is going towards principal. So you're paying down the amount you owe. And at the same time, you know, with increasing prices and the equity and gains that are going there, you, you're kind of getting it on double ends. And so you're really building wealth. And that's ultimately why they call it, the, you know, owning a home is the American dream, right? It is the great way to build wealth in, in America. It's always been that way. Um, and so when you're making your payments to rent, you're just doing it for the your landlord and you're getting yeah. no tax benefits and you're not gaining any equity. If that price goes up, you're just going to pay higher rent the next year. You're not getting anything out of it. You know, in addition to when you get a mortgage, most people get out there, get a 30 year mortgage. When you get a 30 year mortgage, 30 year fixed mortgage, it's fixed for 30 years. You know, right. it's not fixed for one year and then it goes up the next year like rent's been doing. 
for the past years, you get that payment. Now your taxes insurance can go up, but your payment is going to stay the same because you have a fixed interest rate where clearly that doesn't happen with rent. Yeah, there's no doubt a lot of people mistake that, that, you know, you you can plan on a fixed mortgage payment. Now, will your taxes go up and will your sure. insurance go up? Sometimes, of course. But as far as the actual payment for the usage of the property, you know, your mortgage versus your rent, your mortgage is going to stay the same. Your rent, it, it could go up 5, 10, 20 percent, especially in some markets where things are so hot. But 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 again, the tax benefits and the points, you know, that people make the mistake about in reference to not not getting the equity gain, you know, when um, when things go up. So a, a lot of people don't factor that in. And, and you know, I, I spoke about this to my team this week. There are a lot of home buyers that end up opting to rent because it's easier. You know, you don't have to go through as many steps. You don't have to provide as many financials. Um, you know, it, 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 it can be an easier process. But here's the thing. If all you do in life is go for the easy stuff, you know, right. let's just let me just do the easy. You know, you're not going to have success. You're not going to have wealth. You're not going to have the life that you want to leave if you always opt for the easy path. Sometimes you got to opt for the hard path. Maybe it is a little harder to buy a home to get the savings that you get. Maybe it is a little harder to qualify for a loan than it is to apply for a rental. Um, but but nonetheless, the easy path is is what unsuccessful people do. The 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 hard path. That's where that's where success is. So if, if you want to have financial success, if you want to have financial wealth. You got to choose the hard path and and maybe it is a little bit more challenging, but one thing I'll say, you know, we, we're, we're now approaching fall, you know, summer break is over. Kids are back in school and here's, what's going to happen. There's going to be fewer home buyers and, you know, so, and, and probably a little bit more home sellers afraid of maybe a change in taxes next calendar year because of all the discussion in Washington about changes with uh, income taxes. So the thing I would tell you is, um, if you're a home buyer and you opted out because of it being hard or because you got frustrated or losing out on multiple offers, now would be a great time to step back in, right, Mike? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's waiting. There, it, there's no good reason out there right now to, to hold on and waiting. And it's to, to get out there and get looking, even, you know, a lot of people we hear say, hey, oh, I'm going to wait now. You know, summer's passed. I'll wait till the next buying season. Prices are going to be higher. Rates could potentially go up. There's so many different factors that could work against you. We're getting in now. Maybe there will be even be a little bit more inventory now um, as the season's somewhat over. And it just makes all the financial sense um, to begin looking, um, you know, really yesterday um, and get out there and do it. Now is truly the best time out there to buy. Even with all as much as prices have gone up, it still makes more sense based on, you know, the article we talked about with rents going up as much there. It still makes sense to go out and buy today. Yeah, and and I think that a lot of first-time home buyers, the education is out there. Um, maybe it's not on TikTok or Snapchat or the places that first-time home buyers go for information. Although, you know what, we're trying, we're trying to get it there. Follow us at the Duncan Duo on TikTok. We're trying to put information out there to let, you know, a first-time home buyer, younger audience know, um, you know, some of these things that to help educate them. Closing costs are something that are quite a curveball for a lot of first-time home buyers. Right. They, they don't expect the 2 to 5% of the loan amount for typical closing costs. That doesn't include inspections, taxes, home insurance, moving costs. It can be expensive, but typically, like, so, so I'll just give you one simple math. Let, let's just say a first-time home buyer has to spend $10,000 out of their own pocket, okay? Let's just, we'll just use a rough number for an average-priced home Let's call $10,000, okay? If the average sale price in Tampa right now is 
and this is crazy, Mike, it's approaching 400,000. It's in the high threes. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm just, we're going to say first time home buyers. So I'm going to say 300,000. Okay. Do you know what the, the annual year over year appreci- appreciation rate or increase in the average sale price has been in Tampa the last 12 months? I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what the it's, number is. It keeps going it's, up. It's, it's big. It's, it's, it's 10 plus percent. Okay. Yeah. I was, so I, I you spent 10 grand, teens. you spent 10 grand. Okay. Just to use an easy number. We'll just, we'll just say 10%. You spent 10 grand. You buy a $300,000 house. It's going to go up 30 grand in one year. The money that you think that you're spending on all these items, you're recouping because the value of the home is going to go up plus all the tax benefits. So stop looking at the cost and look at the value. I say the same thing all the time you yes. know, to agents, to people that are investing. It's not the cost, it's the value. You know, And if you're gonna get value, if you think of it less as an expense and more of an investment into your wealth, and again, there's no guarantee that prices go up forever, they could stop. But the money sure. that you think you're losing, spending out of pocket, you're gaining relatively quickly based on the appreciation rates we're continuing to see in Tampa. Yeah. And I get people that, and I'm sure you do too, that, you know, bought a year ago that are like so thankful they did because they're like, I can't even believe how much equity we've gained in our property. You know, how I'm so glad or how much prices have gone up and everything else. And I think a year from now, people are going to say the same thing about buying now. So if yep. you haven't done it, jump off the fence and buy now. So you can be one of those people a year from now to say, I'm so Man, thankful I'm so I got glad. him when yeah. I did. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've comped houses for people that bought a year and two ago and they can't even believe how much more their home is worth. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. You know, yes. one other, one other point I'll make on this though, when it, when it comes to, you know, buying, um, you know, you know, buying versus renting versus waiting. Um, a lot of people, they don't factor in certain things. They don't factor in the possibility of appreciation, all these other things. But you know what? There's a certain benefit that comes along with, you know, not having to check with your landlord to paint the inside of your house or right. changing out your appliance. There's a certain freedom that you can't really put a price on, you know, that you're responsible for these things. And, and you know, I, I think that uh, far too often um, people mistake that. Uh, and, and, and they, they keep renting because they don't quite realize the freedom that they get from home ownership. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And the sense of pride, you know, yeah. I think that comes along with when it's something that is yours and, yeah. and something that you can take care of and um, whatnot. Yeah, I think it's a great point. So, you know, one of the things that, that I think a lot of first time home buyers struggle with, and we're going to talk about this after the break in more depth. So I just kind of want to want to tease it for a second because we're going to talk about this in our next segment. And it's um, the difference between buying a home that's already done and buying a fixer upper in this market. Okay, because this market is different than any market you've ever seen. If you watched HGTV two years ago and you saw how easy it was to to renovate a house much different today than it's ever been. And I want to talk about that. Um, so I'll talk about that after the break, but when we want, when we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. Uh, look, we got lightning hockey season coming. We'll have some cool giveaways of signed memorabilia. We'll have tickets. Um, follow us at the Duncan duo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Um, you might even see me do an occasional dance on TikTok, or maybe someday <laughs> you'll see me playing a guitar on our TikTok. Um, you know, but, but nonetheless, uh, make sure to follow us on all of our socials, cool giveaways, lots of relevant real estate content. Uh, it isn't just me. We've actually got some other team members that we're starting to get down to some of our social channels, but uh, make it. sure again, you're, you're following us. And after our break, again, we're going to talk about, um, 
the difference between buying a house that's already done or a new construction home and buying a fixer upper and some recommendations based on the current market. So we'll continue that conversation after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And Mike, buying a fixer upper today compared yeah. to buying a fixer upper in years past, problematic, right? Yeah, and for so many different reasons. And the number one reason, I'm sure you're going to go through several, and this is probably one of them, but the number one reason I think of when it comes to that is just finding the people to do the work. There's just such a shortage. And I keep hearing how many things are backlogged or people ordered appliances and they can't get them until the beginning of the year and so on and so forth. And there's just so many challenges that are still coming from the pandemic to actually get the work done, um, even if you had the resources and the funds to be able to do so. Yeah, and I just want to kind of go a little deeper on that for a second so people can sure. understand when they hear us talking about labor shortages, um, obviously the pandemic, COVID, people going into other fields, um, people staying home and choosing not to work while getting you know some of the benefits that were available. Uh, but I think another part of it is, is because there's so much demand for new construction homes that these large builders are paying more than the average Joe can pay for somebody to fix up their house. And they're bringing all these workers to, to build new construction homes because the demand is so high. So there's a labor shortage for a lot of reasons. But the other thing I wanna talk about isn't just the labor shortage, but if, if these builders are paying these laborers these astronomically high rates compared to years past, you're going to have to put that bill too. So you might think that something is going to be, you know, inexpensive, or you might think that it's going to be easy to find someone, but the builders have more money than you do. They're paying better. They provide benefits. Um, it's more consistent work than, than these side, you know, jobs where they have to take on liability and then have to deal with you because a lot of laborers are not good business people. They don't want to have to right. talk to you. They just want to put in some tile and go home and drink a case of Miller Lite. You know, they're not really they're not really interested in having conversations with you. They really don't even like you. They're in your house. They probably hate your guts. You know, they just want to put in some tile and go home and drink some beer. You know, like they, that's just the reality of it. So so when you have this expectation that, um, you know, th that you're going to find labor or that labor is going to be a certain cost, I can promise you. Unless you're in the industry like I am and you're dealing with it every day, you are going to underestimate how hard it is to find labor and how expensive it is. Yeah, and I, and I would also caution people, if you do seem to find something, it may not be from a licensed contractor or yeah, someone actually. Really, there's so many people out there that don't have licenses. Right. Don't have insurance. You know, it's, yeah. it's rampant right now. Yeah, or maybe isn't skilled, you know, they're doing a side job and they're not really skilled. That's not their number one thing to do and and they can't get it done and and they're not going to do it up to the quality that you're looking for. Yeah, so you have to you have to factor all that in. You know, you yeah. have to deal with that. You have to manage these people. You've got to deal with licensing, whether they had to file permit or not. You know, there's so many obstacles that you have to deal with and when labor is short and expensive, um, it, it's just, I, I, I recommend people not buy fixer uppers unless they're going to do the work themselves. So they have a labor connection, um, because of how problematic it is. And the last part of that is the supplies that you need right. to, you know, I saw something on Facebook the other day, a friend of mine that needed to, that, that needed tile for a paver or not, pay, not needed tile, needed pavers for a paver job that was three quarters of the way done. They ran out of pavers and then went to go buy more and they're back ordered for seven months. Oh my Imagine goodness. having your backyard pavers oh three quarters of the way done for seven months. Yeah. 
That's so there's so many things like that, you know, you know, production of goods stopped and slowed down, labor slowed down, uh, you know, material shortages popped up. And so all of those things come into play. And, and so you have more problems finding labor, more problems finding materials and stuff is more expensive. And I don't care what anyone says. Uh, you know, I'll just tell you this right now. Inflation, inflation is alive and well. Um, stuff is going up in price. It's it's no secret that you can look at things. I mean, I I went to a restaurant the other night and for ten wings it was eighteen dollars just for the wings. Yeah. I mean, you know, so stuff's going up in price. So when you factor all that in, you know, the the reality is buying a fixer upper today, unless you're really experienced, you're gonna do work yourself and you know that you can get the supplies. You look ahead of time before you buy it, or you have some sort of labor connection. Buying a fixer upper is not wise right now. Yeah, especially if you're a first-time home buyer or inexperienced, like you had said. And a lot of people think that is the way to get in as a first-time buyer or an inexperienced buyer. I'll just buy something that needs a lot of work and, you know, we'll be able to get it because I can get into it at a cheaper price point. And, you know, in the long term, you may end up paying a lot more with a lot more headaches and, and heartaches along the way. Yeah, and it's like a lot of people watch the reality TV shows. I know they're interesting. Right. They call them reality TV shows. They should call them fakeality because there's right. nothing real about them. You're 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 not able to do the stuff that that uh, the HGTV people can do. The stuff that you watch on there is just not realistic for how it really happens when you come to fixing up a home. So there's a lot of people that will watch those shows and then think, oh, well, I can do what they're doing, and it just doesn't work that way. It's it's made for TV for a reason. There's a lot of stuff you don't see that goes on behind the scenes, and uh, nonetheless, buying a fixer up or unless you're experienced. I just I just don't recommend it right now. There's too many obstacles for it. Maybe in a maybe in a year or two when the production chain catches up and when labor shortages go away. But for now, I, I strongly recommend against it. So anyway, we're going to be back continuing our conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Five million homes. Five million. That's how short we are in America of meeting the existing demand from home buyers. So uh, if, if, if you're out there and you think the market is going to make some drastic turn uh, throughout the country, unless those, Mike, I, I don't know. Is there anyone that has a magic wand to create 5 million homes? I mean, I, they, I, don't, I, I think there's some people out there, that, that, some builders that say they're trying, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, so just kind of funny, uh, 7 million single family homes were built from January, 2012 to June of 2021. All right. That will, that, that should give you a nice. So, so think about this. If we're short more than 5 million homes to create demand, 7 million new homes were created between January of 2012 to June of 2021. That should tell you how short the supply is compared to the demand for the, for the real estate market throughout our country. Now, will there be months where it stabilizes and prices don't go up as much? Will there be markets throughout the country that struggle or uh, don't perform as well as others? Of course. But any, any people out there thinking that they're going to, you know, I had, a, I, we had customers this week say, well, I'm going to sell my home and then I'm going to wait for things to drop and I'm going to come back in a year and I'm going to buy a great deal. <laughs> well, I want whatever you're smoking because, <laughs> uh, because that just isn't reality. That, that, that isn't happening. It's not going to happen like that. N not again. Too many, too many things in place. There's just way too much data supporting the other side of things. The demand is too high. You, for the market to start going south, 
the demand and supply curve has to flip completely opposite of where it is now. You have to have way more supply and less demand. To to do that will take years. Years. Right. And it, years and yeah, years. Yeah, it's it, it's it's almost impossible because you know, in that same time frame they built the seven million homes, they said twelve point three million or households were formed and a household right. formation is, you know, so many different things. It is the millennial moving out of the parents' basement that we talked about. You know, it's new people coming to the first time home buyer age, getting to that age. You know, it's a couple, you know, getting divorced and now buying two houses. There's so many different things that are adding into it. And there's more people at the age now that are first time home buyers. The age of 31 to 33 is the average age someone buys their first home than there has been in over 50 years. So you put that all together with a pandemic and a slowdown coming out of the financial crisis. And, and there's just going to be, we're going to be upside down on this demand thing for a long time. And, and what a lot of people don't understand is that this, the, the, the slowdown in construction started when the builders took the last hit. Yes, when the builders came right. back from the last hit, they didn't ramp up. They were smarter about ramping up production. They didn't move as, as at as quick of a pace in producing homes as they were prior because they didn't want to get bit. So, so right. not only do you have this huge surge in demand, but you've you've had over a several year period a slowdown in production and then almost a halt in production for several months. Um, and and builders that. Um, in addition, decided to start building different products because they made better money on those products. So then you have a shortage of, of first-time homebuyer qualified homes because builders abandoned building them because they were more risky uh, and they didn't make as much money. Yeah, and when you turn on that machine to get building again and wanting to really gear up and everything else, it's not like a snap of the fingers and we'll just get out people out there and start you know, a million homes or that sort of thing. Everything takes so much time. And we've talked about it in the past and now how things have gotten delayed just with permitting, for example, to be able to even get the permit to be building homes, so many different things along the way. But to get that engine running and going and effectively to build the homes takes such a long time. And the demand came so fast and so hard and it's been building. And, and that's why we're in the situation that we're in. And that's why we keep telling you, get out there now and buy because it, it, it's gonna. there's going to be robust demand um, with no end in sight. So here is, um, you know, some other, here's some more data related to this that helps to help you understand how different the market is today, even post pandemic than it was during another crisis, during our other crisis, the number of borrowers in both government and private sector COVID mortgage bailout programs is falling dramatically. Okay. Yes. So, so the number of people in financial trouble, not able to make their payment is, is, is negligible. And here's why. Because even the ones that can't make their payment have a massive amount of equity. So even if they can't make their payment, they just simply sell. Or the bank looks at it and says, oh, you got $100,000 in equity. Okay, I'll go ahead and grant you another 5000 in forbearance to miss payments for the next six months because I'm not worried. You know, if your house has to go to foreclosure, I'm going to make some money. You know, they're not, they're not worried at all. So, so the reality is the tappable equity that exists in America today is is so high that even for those 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 people that hit rough spots, the only people that hit rough spots that are turning into foreclosures are the ones that hit rough spots very quickly after buying. 
Um, and and so so those are people that get vetted so heavily today for reserves and for how much they can afford and their credit that it's just really, really, really uncommon to see foreclosures today. So without foreclosures, foreclosures will pull prices down in a neighborhood when the market is rampant with them because the banks want to turn them into cash. But today, because there are so few of them, when banks reach out to list them, it isn't pulling down values because they're just listing them at retail. We have a local credit union that we list foreclosures for. And you know, back in the back in the bust, when they would call us to price out a home, they would want us to factor in depreciation. Let's say they have a two hundred thousand dollar house, they would say, Hey, put it on the market for one seventy five. We need it gone in a week. Today, right. they say um, it's worth 300. Okay. Price it 300. Cause we know it'll sell in a week. There's, uh, there's, there's not, there's no foreclosures that are coming in and, and undermining values and prices of a neighborhood. Like it was in the bust because there are just so few of them. The number of people that hit foreclosure is so slim because prices are rising so much that by the time some of these people do run into trouble, they have enough equity to either refinance or to get the lender to work with them through some sort of forbearance to allow them to continue to stay put and not turn into a foreclosure. Yeah, and another thing that that went into the news media, they talked about how many people went into forbearance and everything else. I can tell you for someone that's working in this day in and day out, there are, I don't know the exact percentages, um, it'd be anecdotal, but there are so many people that went into forbearance out of fear when COVID first came in, knowing that they could make their payment every single month, but they went into forbearance because it was being offered as kind of a just a backstop, a just in case, a a second hand, but they had it been in forbearance, but we're still making their payments every single time. So they actually never went through it. And so all those people are now coming out. So there were a lot of people in there that never really actually got into financial trouble, but used it as a vehicle just in case something did happen because they didn't know in the beginning stages of the pandemic. Yeah, there's no doubt about the 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 impact of everything that's happened. And yeah. and and I'll tell you, with 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 so little foreclosure activity, uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't remember the last time I went out somewhere and didn't see a hiring or help wanted sign at a business. Right. Yeah. You know, so so the labor market is so ripe for people that that I mean everything is 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 doing well. There's people businesses that want to grow, that want to hire people. It's not hard to find a job if you actually go out and look. Um for all of these reasons, you know, they're they're just people that want to make it work and stay in their house or staying in their house. The ones that are ended up in foreclosure are just people that are either they've had some sort of tragedy they they had some sort of financial ruining um, event shortly after buying before they could really gain equity. It's just few and far between. So you're just not seeing the you know the number of defaults that would start to pull values down. And banks realize that banks know, so they're they don't want it to go to foreclosure. They just want you to keep making their payment. But if it is going to go to foreclosure, they know they're not losing money because values just keep going up. Right. So, and the delinquency, even before closure, the delinquency rates, you know, we look at things like how many people are 30 days, 60 days, 90 days late. Those are at all time historic lows, which goes to the lending has gotten better. The quality of the underwriting has gotten so much better over the course of, of the financial crisis. So even even before they would come to foreclosure and they could just sell just the delinquencies, people are making their payments on time. It's very low um, in, in at or near all time historic lows. Yeah, no doubt about it. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When we aren't on air, again, follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, TikTok, 
Uh, follow us on all of our socials. We got cool giveaways, lots of real estate updates about what's going on in the market. Uh, we're always making sure to guarantee your home sold. Here are a lot of people today talking about a guaranteed offer. I always find it interesting because um, you know it, that's basically like uh, you know the weakest thing you could imagine in a market as hot as this. Anyone can sh- show up with an offer for twenty cent, twenty percent below your price. Um, sure. The difference is guaranteeing it sold. Um, a guaranteed offer, really. I mean, they're basically saying, "Hey, we can give you a low ball for your house." So, you know, if you really want to get your home sold, get a guaranteed sold with us. Again, you can go to DuncanDuo.com to do that. Um, you know, we have all the same programs. We can give you instant cash offers, but we can also show you how much you're leaving on the table if you go that path. But uh, don't fall for the trap of a guaranteed offer. Um, literally. Any real estate agent right now, it's the weakest call to action I think I've ever seen. Any real estate agent could show up today and guarantee someone an offer because, look, you can get a low ball from anybody. I mean, anybody's willing to buy a house below market. The difference is whether you can guarantee it actually getting sold, closed, and funded. So, um, so again, you can do that at DuncanDuo.com. Zoom cities. This is kind of a new phrase that's popping up out there. Um, and, and I thought it was impressive. Uh, Zoom cities are like medium-sized metros just outside of large metros where people can, you know, be close to the big city, but work right. remotely, but work remotely and have a more affordable home. Riverview, Florida was in the top 10 most competitive cities for home buyers as considered a Zoom city um, in, in the country. So I thought that was pretty powerful. Riverview, we call it Brand Rico View. Uh, brand review about Rico. We just kind of combine them because most buyers in our experience are, you know, open to any of those three. Generally, when a market is as competitive as this, they're looking at kind of that whole East Hillsborough corridor. But these Zoom cities are, are basically cities where where a lot of millennials settle, where they can work remotely, where they can still be close to commercial development, where they can still drive to the city and experience, you know, nightlife and and all these different things. So uh, kind of a new phrase that's popped up post-COVID, Zoom cities. Again, congratulations to uh, Riverview, Florida. Um, you know, we, we sell a ton, uh, probably a couple hundred a year uh, in, that, in that part of the market. So it's, it's a big segment of the market for us. Big military market, too. A lot of our yes. uh, soldiers that PCS here with families to McDill Air Force Base settle, uh, settle in Riverview. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because... I was talking to somebody the other day that I play basketball with. He just got he just got PCS here, and um, you know he's looking at Riverview pretty heavily. And he and you know again Riverview, the traffic if you're talking about normal rush hour can be pretty tough. But his specific um, you know his specific job in the military has to have him be at McDill at 6 a.m. So he avoids all of the traffic. He's six to two. He doesn't see any rush hour, and it's a perfectly fine commute for him. So um, a lot of development out in Riverview has slowed the commute times, but I know that uh, the uh, the county and city are definitely looking at things to improve that. So anyway, we're going to be back wrapping up with our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Uh, Andrew Duncan at the Duncan Duo on all the social channels. Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And uh, a population rise prompting housing shortages, delays in construction, massive population growth in Florida. A a surge of people moving here from other parts of the country, whether it's politics, whether it's the climate, whether it's COVID, no matter what it is, Florida is is leading the trend with population growth. 
Um, and, and Mike, I think that's, that's a thing that's continuing to keep our market booming. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, and you're seeing here people coming from not the normal, um, kind of places that they come from up in the Northeast New York and everything else. I'm, I'm meeting more and more people and, and talking to more and more people coming from the West coast, coming all the way from California, you know, Washington, yeah. Oregon, other places that typically they didn't come is in as many, many um, numbers as they did in the past. A lot of times it was the Correct. Northeast or the Midwest. But yep. we're seeing a lot more and they're coming from everywhere and, and they are coming to Florida for all the reasons that you mentioned. And so first time homebuyers, I hear them say things like, well, you know, um, I can't afford this. And somebody right. coming from New York looks at three hundred and fifty or four hundred thousand dollars as like a bargain. So yes. because they're used to seeing these higher prices. So you're not just competing with local people that might think these prices are high. You're you're competing with people that have really high salaries and they're able to move here and keep their really high salaries and and buy expensive homes to keep driving our prices high and and we're just we're going to continue getting this surge you know our our country is very politically divided right now you know you have a lot of people that don't like what's happening in certain states so they're moving to states where they do like it and it's clear we have a governor that's unafraid to kind of fight back and whether you like it or don't like it, it it's just the reality that the people that do like it are going to keep moving here and the people that don't like it don't seem to be leaving um right. so so, you know, that, that trend is going to continue, but you want to know what I, you know, you want to know another trend that I think is kind of funny, Mike, uh, that, that's going to keep our population. That's going to, we're going to start to see as census data comes out, um, you know, population growth growing. Um, it's kind of funny. I think anyway, Tell us. <laughs> so look, there was a lot of people stuck in their house for a long time. What do you think oh, they're, yeah. they're stuck in their house? Right. They're creating babies, man. I'm just telling you. You know, I, I literally, my marketing guy, Daniel, uh, is, my brother-in-law is here right now. And the look, he, 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 he just gave me that look like I know the feeling, but, but the reality is cause he does have a one-year-old, you know, the reality is, is that's just what happens, you know, like, I mean, it's why, like, if you look at, um, you know, conception months, you see more conception happening in colder months. People are spending more time inside. Well, guess what? When you're in a COVID quarantine and you're stuck inside, well, guess what? People are going to make some babies. So, so I think as census data comes out, you're also going to see uh, a, a, a surge in, um, you know, in people, um, you know, people having more kids, people having kids younger, um, you know, people getting bored, deciding to have right. kids because they're stuck. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's logical to think about that. You know, that's going to increase population as well, which is going to cause people to say, oh, instead of a three-two, now I want a four-two. Or I got to get out of, you know, so it's going to continue to impact. COVID is going to have this trickle down effect on real estate for so many years. You know, people working from home, needing a home office, people creating more babies, people moving to other parts of the country. All of this centers around, you know, historic changes in how people live. And, and it's right. going to continue for a while. Yeah, this this has probably been, at least in my lifetime and in the 20 plus years that I've been in, in mortgages and real estate, the biggest shift of the way we as consumers behave, right? Consumer behavior of how we live, where we live, why we live, where we live. There's been such a big shift because kind of everything got flipped upside down. And so what was always the norm is no longer the norm. You know, you don't need to be in Manhattan now to be work for a big Wall Street firm. You don't have to be, um, you know, close to the city because you don't have to work about commits or, or commute. So many different things that have happened. And it, you're really just seeing a big shift in how people decide and choose and then ultimately act on where they're going to live and, and where they're going to spend their money. 
Yeah, no question about it. And 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 I think that, you know, like you talked about the shift in how people think about real estate, but it's also in terms of how they live their life, their right. travel, their travel plans, you know, their health plans. Up until COVID, I might occasionally hear people arguing about whether they're pro-vax vaccine or anti-vaccine. Now it's become this polarizing issue that, you know, that that I mean, no matter what the vaccine is, it's right. now like this big deal. So, cons- you know, so there's so much that's changed in this last year because of how much argument has happened over some of these items. And and and, and it's not going to change. It's going to continue to trickle down and impact into real estate, into our daily lives. You're going to see people in terms of the houses they buy, the cars they buy are going right. to change. Um, th- there's just so much that's going to change from all the stuff that's happened in the last year or two. Uh, some of it for the good, some of it, in my opinion, not for the good, um, but again, to each their own. So a lot of changes coming for real estate and that, that trend is going to continue. So we appreciate you tuning in, man. We're just a few weeks from hockey season. I can't wait for the Tampa Bay Lightning to be back on the ice. Rumor has it, maximum capacity. So awesome. I, hope, I hope to see a lot of people at some Lightning games coming soon. Yes. You know, Appreciate you tuning in the show and hope you have an awesome rest of your weekend. Thank you so much.